This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 363, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. Hey, welcome to 
the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 363. I can say Pick of the Week faster than anybody on Earth. I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello.com. And Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Grizz. <laughs> I would have gone .org, but that's, you know, everybody's got their own thing. At iFanboy.com, we like comics. We read them. Every week we read a bunch of them. Uh, one of us has the job of picking the best one that week. We write about it on the, on the website. That goes up at some point on Wednesday. Uh, we come here, we talk about it on the podcast, we talk about other books from the week, and uh, some other ephemera. That's, that's how it works. Before we get going, we are going to be talking about what happens in the books. So if you haven't read them, you don't want them spoiled. You are warned. Come back later or fight the fire. Let's go, Connor. So this was a week where everything I got came out. Or at least it <laughs> felt like it. I got, I think at one point I had close to 30 books on my list, and I ended up using that as an impetus to convert a couple of them to trade-only reads, and I, it just, it was, it was a lot of reading. Luckily, I enjoyed quite a bit of it. I threw out a lot of fives on the old iFanboy ratings scale and had a good time. But the clear winner this week for the pick of the week was Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre number four, which is the final issue of this particular miniseries, which I didn't realize was A, only a four-issue miniseries, and B, and I wrote about this in my review, I didn't realize only three issues had come out prior to this because (laughs) there's been so much story. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so dense with story that it really has felt like it's been much longer than it actually has been. Is this the first one to end? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think to me that was one of the strong suits of the book, which we'll get to the art in a minute. This is a Darwin Cook and Amanda Connor co-written book drawn by Amanda Connor, and they've chosen the nine-panel grid style from you know the original Watchmen story to, to tell their tale. And what that does is allow them to pack a lot of story into this book, and you really get your money's worth story-wise – from a book that has nine panels, when wouldn't a lot of the books these days do two panels or three panels or one panel pages? Even more so than that, it's not even like they actually get to spend a lot of time on character. Yep. Like that first page is just character. That leads to what the benefit of that is, is you get a really great character study. And this was really a story about a daughter and a mother. And there was superhero stuff in there. And she wore the costume. She fought some silly bad guys who, in the 60s in San Francisco. And that was all fun. But really, this was about... Lori and Sally, and the really complex relationship they have. And I thought that was really what made it stand out was how authentic it felt in its complexity in, in a mother who was a superhero who has now retired. She's past her prime, and she was known for her looks, and, and she's never really given up on that. And now she has this daughter who's beautiful and capable, and, and she's been extremely jealous of her, but she's also pushing her at the same time to become the new Silk Spectre. And, and the daughter doesn't really want to do it, and, and the mother constantly crushes her happiness. And, and there's a devastating scene that opens this issue where it's a flashback to 1960, uh, six years prior to their main story, and a boy's come over to throw the ball around with Laurie, and, and the mother just totally ruins it. And there's a sad shot of Laurie you know, staring out the window as the boy runs away. And it's just, it was a very strong character piece, this, this whole book was. And, and, it, and it was a, it, done in a way where it didn't infringe on the main story. Uh, this this issue ends with with Laura going to the first meeting. Uh, what was the goddamn group called in the Watchmen? The, the Crimebusters. Uh, Crimebusters. Crime going to the first meeting of the Crimebusters, which happens in Watchmen. So it does actually touch upon the main story at the very very end, but in a way that doesn't infringe upon anything, as some of the other books have done. Well, you know, like we read some of the other books, and and you felt like I don't I don't feel like we should be doing this. Right. And I was reading this one, and I I didn't feel like that at all. I I mean, like from a characterization standpoint, like. It all seemed to work in with the, the greater one without diminishing it at all, I guess. I, I, would, I would even go further saying that I feel like this actually has 
you know, because Silk Spectre was not a character in the in, in the original text that while we we found out a lot about her mother, we didn't know much about her during the the book other than her relationship. She was defined by her relationship with Dr. Manhattan and and, and, and then Night Owl, Night Owl, whereas I feel like this defined her character in the context of herself. Yep. And it actually enhanced my enjoyment of her story in the original text, which is what this the vision of this before Watchmen should have been about. And whether the other books are doing that, I don't know because I think I pretty much dropped them all except for what Minutemen. Yep. Yeah, this was this this was just great. It was just it was this is absolutely absolutely wonderful. And talk about like we talk a lot about strong female characters and things like that. This l- trade of this little story, I think, is going to be a great one to give to somebody. Yeah, it's a real big deal in terms of a coming of age of, of a of a young woman, I guess. And I really I like the scene where she sort of takes it, for one thing, it was one of the only ones that I've actually seen a practical use for a high heel. On a <laughs> yeah, girl. It's true. Uh, and two, the, the literally the way that she talks to her mother when she arrives at the end of the issue, I was really impressed with because I was like, that seems. Very realistic and very interesting because you just don't see it that much. Yeah. Uh, it was very subtle. We, we interviewed Darwin Cook about this Animaticon or both, and there's a, there's a very heavy collaboration. And I think, I think the mm-hmm. benefit of having a female writer doing a female character is that it feels very authentic. Yep. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a guy writing a, female, a teenager. Especially a guy like Darwin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it makes me more impressed, I'll be honest. <laughs> Before we move on, the I think we mentioned the, with the first issue, it really did feel like if you take away the Watchmen uh, veneer, it did feel like sort of a really strong indie relationship book. Yeah, you know, you take away the costumes and the names, it's it's a mother, a daughter, her her two quote unquote uncles, and uh, their family, and it really was a strong, you know, great Hollis Mason in this in this miniseries. Great, great Hollis, Hollis Mason, yeah, great Re- Hollis really Mason. wonderful. Yeah, the um, scene with him fighting with the heavy roommates when when they <laughs> like they didn't, and all of a sudden there's a flag behind him for well, some reason. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I love I love the subtle nods where like. It, it wasn't just all of a sudden like it, it, it's it started but then every other not every other scene but every now and then he had the flag behind him and that was just like such a subtle use of you know the decor to get across a feeling and a mood and you know this is really like a this is really a good coming of age story yeah now mm-hmm. the other thing you really need to focus on is Amanda Connor's work not on the writing side which is great but the art side which I don't know that this book is pulled off as successfully as it is without her on the art duties because Right now, she's got to be at the top of the list of people with, with people like Carrie Moore and others who, are, who can make their characters act convincingly yep. in a way that's compelling. Because, you, you know, with a nine-panel grid with a story that's not a lot of superhero action, it's mostly personal stuff, it's a lot of heads. It's a lot of people talking, and that can get really repetitive and boring. But the way she conveys emotion through the faces, through the body language, makes it compelling read no matter what you're looking at. Uh, I, I pointed in the review towards the phone conversation – You've got a page of a mother and a daughter talking on a phone to each other, which on its face could be very boring, but you've got the mother tightly coiling the phone cord around her finger in an, in an act of anxiety. I mean, there's, everything is thought through here, and everything makes the story more personal and more intense, and that comes down to the acting and the art, which is fantastic. Yep. There's a lot of great books this week. I had a lot of fun with a lot of big superhero stories and, and all, but when it came down to it, this was the one that was the most moving. There was some great illusions at the end. You know, Laurie faces her dark side when she fights the bad guy who, you know, basically inc- inconsequential to the story. But it did, it did help, you know, move things along. She finally defeats the bad guy that she went out to fight. It's her growing up. It's yeah. Her. But also there's the shot of her that recalls the shot of the comedian from the book uh, where she's holding the gun and she's smiling and it's all red. 
that foreshadows the parentage issue. Oops, Watchmen spoiler. And the <laughs> I think you're in the clear. And the you know just the the more the foreshadowing of of things in Watchmen, but not done in a way that that you know hits you over the head with it. So from a craft standpoint, from for both of these creators, and and we don't want to discount the work of the other people in the book. Really nice colors. Paul Mouse on colors and Carlos Mangual on, on letters. Uh, just from top to bottom, this is a great, great book. Mm. And I'll be happy to buy this on trade when it comes out and hand it out to people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. I, uh, yeah. And it's a book you don't need to have read, read Watchmen for either. I can, I'll gladly give this to people and say. Oh, yeah. That, 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 yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, they like, talk about, you know, like, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a girl coming of age story, you know, in, in the context of, you know, you know, kind of gritty superhero Watchmen world. But, yeah, I would, I would not hesitate giving this to somebody who he hasn't even read Watchmen. Yeah. This is a best case scenario of what could have come out of this. Yeah. You know, so that's, and that's really cool that you at least have that example. There's other examples of not as great, but yeah. uh, this is definitely a, you know, this is the best you could hope for from it, which is what they were, they were going for. Yeah. Now, my question is why hasn't Brian Bendis been writing the X Men for the last eight years? Uh- I, 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 that's a very good question, and with all new X Men number two, um, it, it, um, it's, 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 it's really good. This was almost the pick of the week. <laughs> this was, this was inches when, when Bobby confronts Bobby, they both just scream. I, I literally laughed for two minutes. I kept looking at the page and laughing. Aside, aside from Bendis, the, the, the story points, Imminent, yeah, just. Oh my God, Eminem! Like I'm like Eminem. Wow, that's all I can say. <laughs> You're really good at this job. No, his 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 his, his old be- you know his beastly beast is yeah. actually looks less obnoxious than most people's beastly beast, which I still hate. But here he makes it work. Well, here it looks like it looks a little bit like, uh, like Beauty- a lion. Yeah, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. I was yeah, gonna we- say, <laughs> but yeah, like a lion. I could see that. Speaking of the beast, I did like in the opening pages when Kitty's trying to hack into Hank's computer and it gets the old beast head <laughs> warning saying don't touch what doesn't belong to you students of the atom I, all I can think of is the Jurassic Park yep. uh, 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 <laughs> but um uh, hello John <laughs> hello John if the first and the second issue were released as a double sized issue yeah. like the double sized first issue this would have been like holy shit mind blow you know what I mean because this was this finished up the, you know this picked up the story where you know for what feels like last yesterday but it was two weeks ago where you know Beast convinces the young X-Men to come with them to the future and they come to the future and they arrive at the school and the and the reaction of everyone is pitch perfect yeah. pitch perfect even down to like you said the Iceman reaction of, of them both looking at each other like the the looking in the mirror moment and screaming, <laughs> and then um, and then to see uh, Wolverine's reaction, which is you know which is what he would do. He's like, "You guys are going back. Be screwed up. We got to fix this." And then he's nailing the characters. He's nailing them. This might be my favorite of two issues of X Men since X Men First Class with Jeff Parker way back. Wow. Then. There's something about these young X Men. Yeah. There's something about the costumes. There's something about the naivete. There's something you know like it's a little bit of everything she, you know. she did accept the fact that she was dead pretty easily yeah <laughs> she was like so i'm dead i was like Whoa. i don't I, I think at this point she's in a whirlwind of new information yeah and yeah. she hasn't not actually faced with it like here's the video of you dying which would be much more impactful than sort of being dropped in this new world drug around really fast having to take in all this new stimulus and characters and being wait 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 I'm dead and then moving on to the next thing and not yeah. being able to process everything going on I think you're going to I feel like get, I would stick on that I don't know I think you're going to get those moments when she actually has it you know has it in front of her face to deal with it or talks to Wolverine or somebody you know I think at this point she's still being yeah. you know it's still being moving around pretty well, quick. Speaking of that and not to be the X-Men nitpick fan <laughs> I, I, I. but 
So this is at a point in Jean's development where she's only telekinetic. Her telepathy hasn't uncovered yet. And in this issue, she taps into her telepathy. And when Wolverine's yelling at them and she does the old Professor Xavier sleep and Wolverine falls down asleep, Wolverine is supposed to have psychic defenses like no well, other. That's, that's it mentioned it. in there. It's yeah, mentioned, I guess which means there's a immediately. reason for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hope. But listen, we're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. That's Do true. I need to remind you of the closet? Yeah, that's true. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just... But it's, it's mentioned in the Sectex panel, though. Yeah. I want people who say to let the closet go know that that is going to have the opposite effect on us. <laughs> if you tell us to forget about the closet, we will cling all the tighter. Yeah. We'll start writing articles about it. I got three in the hopper. I love this. And so far, uh, we're going to talk about the, you know, the, the, the other new Marvel Now books this, this week. But yeah. you know, I made fun of Marvel Now as much as anybody did. But what it's done so far is, seems to have is injected a new creative energy into most of these yep. books. To most of them, yeah. Agreed. Which is totally fantastic. Agree. And I think yeah. that extent continues with Thor, God of Thunder, number two. Oh, Jesus. Which is... I don't um, think it was better than issue one, no, but it's no, no, real, no. real close. Either. Real close. Issue one was better. I, th- I thought that the balance of the three storylines in the first one was, was more compelling than here, but you yeah. still, this was tons of fun. Yeah. For me, a lot of it is Ribic. The expressions and the looks on faces and the, like, and, like, and, I, and I always go, I don't always say this, but I always go back. He is a bear of a man. <laughs> And he just draws so delicately. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to watch him draw sometime. I just want, I mean, not creepy. I, don't want, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, a, I have a slight criticism. Okay. Okay. I, didn't, I, really, I didn't like the design of the God Slayer. No, I don't much. like the design of the God Slayer. It, it's, basically yeah. the, it's basically the specter. You know, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's a specter uh, if the specter was done in Top Cow. Okay. I thought it was a, a fraggle wearing a hood. Yeah. I just thought it looked very familiar in terms yeah, of design does. sense. Like it's something I've seen a, a lot of times before, and so I was a little disappointed with that. Yeah, no, I, I had the same thought as you. I, that's the only disappointing thing. It's not a bad design; it's just not as interesting no. as I as I would hope. But right. I would easily, easily subscribe to a book about the adventures of young Thor and the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the rest of this. I'm cool with that. I want him before he's got his hammer and he's just out there. Like, come on, dudes, let's go fuck some shit up. Mm. And I, I think that's one of the great things with this book, and I wasn't able to talk about the first issue, but the idea that we get to see three different kind of Thors through the ages, and in, in at least in this story, is, is wonderful. Yeah. And it's funny. Again, it goes back. Like, I I don't like Thor. I hate the font. That, that's a big thing, the, the, the Thor font. I'm used to it. But it's uh, it's not like as it. egregious as it's been in the past. Yeah, I no, agree. I know. But but And, and as, I, the, as I was reading this issue, I'm like, oh, I hate this font. But I think removing Thor from the Marvel world – it makes that much more enriching, and it's just this is a fantasy story as far as I'm well, concerned. What's funny is the thing that made Marvel stand out was that they were all in the same world, and now the yeah. thing that makes uh, Marvel the most interesting a lot of times is taking them out of it because it's so mixed up. I mean, that's that's the Punisher formula. That's if you think about really great Wolverine stories from the past. Like yeah. those are the ones you remember because they're not bogged down by all that stuff. Right. There's a time and a, not novel and, anymore. And there's a time there's a time and a place for the involvement and all that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, you know, and I think we're you know we're gonna talk about Uncanny Avengers number two and Thor's involvement in there. That's that's a you know that's an appropriate place for the a Marvel universe story. But this kind of little side story is just it's a great little distraction or great little, you know, kind of just I'm gonna go down the road over here and I'm gonna see what's going on in Thorland and it's fun. Oh, yeah. I see a lot of criticisms of Uncanny Avengers, but to me, those criticisms might as well be spoken in Esperanto because I don't understand them at all. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I have a great number of thoughts on this, and this is – I don't think it's quite my pick of the week, but if I was to write it, it almost would have been. Yeah. And I'm reading it, and I'm in the middle of it, and I just think, thank God that Rick Remender works at Marvel Comics <laughs> because right? for whatever reason, with this, with this issue specifically, I was like – 
this feels like he's bringing his voice to a big book that lots of people are reading. And I really enjoyed it. And, yep. and also, like, it. It, we talked about this before uh, with the last issue with it. Like, it just feels like a bunch of stuff's going on and you're, you're in the middle of it and l- l- let's go. But at the same time, like he had – like at one point he wrote Drunken Sincerity and I was like, that's a bad religion lyric. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, like, we're going to get to that a little later no, on. I, yeah, no, it's, I know, I know. But, that, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. I, I just – it was a slightly different take and I, I remember reading going, I'm not sure if I think Captain America would say that. And then I was like, well, I don't care because I like the way that this story is going. Yeah. And I like the huge balls on, on taking a version of the Red Skull and making a very, very specific – I mean, it's not a new thing to make an allegory, but to, to just say, I see the seeds of what I saw in Germany. And I was like, Jesus, that's, yep. that's hardcore. But this is a place where you, you can do that. This is high fantasy, really. Well, yeah. So, so as far as I'm concerned, the things that they, they got right in this was early Wolverine with the cowboy hat yep. and the furry collar like that. That's Wolverine. Like nailed that. And I, I like the positioning of Cap explaining Havoc and that little hero moment and that kind of, you know, like and, and then having that just be on a beat and speak for itself totally uh, was good. Explained. Red Skull, how how this is the Red Skull in like what in like a page, yep, yep, you know, and totally go with it. Introducing new villains, yep. like these are characters we haven't seen. Great use of Rogue's power, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah like that was you know what that was super clever. I was yeah. like, wow, and we have not seen Rogue using her power to that this kind of potential and ability. And this, it's like I'm gonna grab wings and I'll go fly, you know. And like this was, I mean, this was a great use of Rogue, and it's partially horrifying. The, you know I mean, the, like the, see, to the see reveal at the yeah. end, really. Yeah. Like didn't see it coming, and it really affected me. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, yeah." So I mean, it, it's to. great, and I love the Cassidy flashback panels, like that that panel with we're flashing back to Xavier talking about taking Rogue into the team. Like I remember that panel, like you know, and to see him kind of reimagined by Cassidy is always fun. And and this is and you know, and that the next page after that, Rogue kneeling next to Xavier's body and and looking up with the hood half on her head and the tears, like it, like there. Say what you will. I mean, I've been a I've been a strong Cassidy critic uh, over the past couple of years. But uh, several of these pages, it's like, oh right, this is what I want out from Cassidy. So, did like, you want the? Did you want the just the basically photos pasted in of New York City? Because you get that. Yeah, well, a lot. In the beginning, <laughs> it tends to happen. <laughs> it, it just feels very old school Marvel, which is yep. the feeling I love about it. I love the fact that they can say, "Well, this is just a clone of the Red Skull from the original. It's fine. Don't worry about it," and yep. go with it because that's what they used to do in, in comics and, and not harp on the th- on those things. But it's just a fun adventure story. There's a couple of if, iffy bits in art, but overall, the art was really strong. Yep. The only new number one book that came out this week, right? Am I correct? Is that it was FF number one, the Matt Fraction, Mike Allred, Fantastic Four mm-hmm. replacement team. And this is the one that we had so many questions about, which was, you know, like, what, what is, you know, because the, the, the art we saw, we saw Ant-Man and we saw Medusa and we saw She-Hulk and a girl pink hair in a thing costume. If this was Fantastic Four over the Bagley one, if the Bagley one didn't exist, I would totally read this. I had a bl- I had a, I had fun reading it. And admittedly, it is I'm totally biased by the fact that I'm a huge All Red fan and it just looked beautiful. But I kind of liked the lightheartedness approach of it. It wasn't too uh, like there there were jokes that were appropriate, like the Johnny Storm scene and stuff like that. Like it was it balanced a little bit of humor, a lightheartedness, along with the heavy handedness of of Reed and Sue and that sort of thing. I'm curious to see where it goes now once they take the Fantastic Four out of the picture. But I, I enjoyed it. Josh, did you read this? No. Interesting. <laughs> Okay, I liked it. I, I thought, you know, obviously it looked great. All Red's fantastic. Why is that interesting? There's nothing about it I, I really want to read. Well, because I figured you would check them all out since... Yeah, isn't that what I, that's mostly what I've been doing, but I just was like, I know what's going to happen here. Well, what happened? What do you think is going to happen? I just didn't think I was going to like it. And what happened? I didn't read it. Well, what do you, what do you think was going to happen, though? 
what I thought was going to happen. Oh, you were talking about your reaction. Oh, I thought you were talking about what was going to happen. I don't have to like everything. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very much unfractiony for the most part. Yeah. Which is really nice. I, I might stick with this one a few more issues just to see where it goes. It helps that it's just gorgeous to look at. Yeah. But I am curious to see because the whole setup is that they're fig- they're setting up a replacement team to watch the world while they're gone for four minutes. And so obviously that's not going to stay because right, yeah. it's four minutes. But uh, I am curious to see where that goes. But I did I did enjoy it. I think Aura does a great old school thing yep. in a way that no one does anymore. I mean, look, it looked wonderful. There were little touches throughout it, like like towards the end of the issue when Scott Lang and Reed Richards are talking, and Reed is thinking, and he's kind of pulling on his chin. I'm and actually looking at that panel of, right now. Yeah, that chin extends. I mean, like there, and then then the panel below it, where Scott Lang is rubbing his forehead. I mean, like you know, like Allred. We talk a lot about the pop art and, and with the coloring by Laura Allred and all that sort of stuff, but he is he's really good. Yeah. I mean, and now I just turn the page to the scene with the thing and She Hulk, and the the close up on the thing's face is just like. Kirby influenced, but all Red's own, and just yeah. like it, it uh, he's just great. And so, like that alone, I'll I'll read it for all Red's art. But the story, like Fraction, got into the voices of these characters and did it, and they nothing sound nothing sounded out of character mm-hmm. for the sake of a joke or for the sake of uh, the story bait. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Yep. So, Nowhere Men number one from Image Comics uh, came out. Did either of you guys check it out? Or I wanted to. I was really curious to, but I actually didn't. I didn't okay. get it. I was just impressed by this purely in the approach to the package, to the book itself. Uh, Connor, did you get to see it or no? no this was a week where I had 28 regular books. I wasn't picking anything new up this week, other than FF, obviously. So basically, this is you know this is written by Image Comics publisher Eric Stevenson, who's written comics before but hasn't for years. And apparently, he's been working on this for ten years. He says, and artist Nate Belgard has been working on it for three. So it's like it's it's you know it's a long road to get to this point. But talk about designing a total package of a comic book similar to the approach of Saga, even though Saga is very simplistic in that it's just a story in the letter pages. The 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 approach to the design of this book is unlike any other book on the racks. You know the the whole premise is that you know the the tagline is science is the new rock and roll, and there are these four scientists who are introduced who are kind of like the Beatles of science. And the the basically the story is is that you get introduced to them you know in the past, and then we visit them again in the future, and they're obviously falling out, and then we go to a lab where where everybody on this lab seems to be infected with some sort of virus and you don't really know what's going on and then there's a big reveal at the end as to where they actually are so you know very much in that first issue where it's like what is going on you know not knowing not having all the answers but the way they approached it with you know it opens up with you know just a single page introducing the guys in the past before their like their debut and then there's a two page excerpt from an old magazine that's laid out to look like an old magazine complete with a little cartoon of the guys and stuff like that with their bios and like with information about them that you can't really get from story but you can totally it helps to flesh out the characters and then they use these little design elements to separate the, the kind of quote unquote you know scenes you know like after the visiting the the scientists in the present and they move the, the scene moves over to the lab there's a double page spread of just like a poster from this company world corp that it, you know that is like a 60s kind of influenced you know kind of sciency poster and then the back of the the back of the issue after the issue ends has got a interview from a, a again from an old magazine with one of the scientists. There's no ads. There's no house stuff. All the credits are on the back cover. Like it's just a, a, a more thought out approach to a whole issue, and it just it kind of kind of blew me away. I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was expecting just something more science fiction based and more science fiction from Image, which would be great, a new number one issue. But just the the thought and the care that went into it was really impressive. 
I would say I would say check it out if you guys get a chance to because it's it's got a little bit science fiction, a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Mad Men. You know, like it's it's got it's got it's got a nice little mix. Cool. So before we get to the other books, I want to remind everybody that the holidays are approaching. And if you haven't started your Christmas shopping, you better get on it. And you can do that by going to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Just click on, there's a big old banner right there. They'll take you right into Amazon and help out help out iFanboy in the process. Um, I do all my Christmas shopping on Amazon. Uh, it makes it so much easier. I would, I would encourage you to do the same. They've got comics, DVDs, Blu-rays, video games, all the stuff you need. So just go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon or in the top navigation on ifanboy.com, click under store and there's uh, shop uh, Amazon via iFanboy and, and that will get you started. With Batman Incorporated number five this week, I think the realization has set in that I am kind of over Damien <laughs> as a character. I think... Well, they're finishing him up, so that's perfect. Yeah. Well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Well, it's only five issues out of yeah. 12. I think he was really, really interesting when, the, when he first showed up. We talked about this a lot. He, he, he was compelling, he was different, but he's either not changed or changed too much when he's used depending on the, the writer, mm. and it doesn't really... I'm not finding it as interesting anymore, especially with five different Robins running around and a desire to see it streamlined. i got to say I really like this issue. Mm-hmm. I think I actually didn't buy the last issue because I was like, I don't know if I wanted to really read it, and I couldn't remember, so I bought this one anyway. I just, I, you know, I, I may have liked... Uh, I don't like the future story. I thought that... Uh, I thought Burnham obviously did a really oh, nice Burnham's job. There, were a couple, there was a couple of places where you had little Dark Knight uh, Returns channeling going on. Mm-hmm. Just sort of style-wise, it's fun to sort of shoot forward with different versions. Oh no, I like the um, story. I just and if the, and if the, no, I know what you mean. And if they if this is like the the swan song for Damien, then that they'll be just fine. Yeah, if they do, it'll be great. But I just I don't know that I've, I've desired him have him hanging around for an indefinite period of time. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one because you know with a character who's literally Batman's son, like it's really difficult to shuffle him off stage because right. it's always sort of there in the back of your mind. He's this kid. It was a dream all along. Ah, that's how you do it. Bobby was in the shower. <laughs> I'm mainly getting this now just to see Burnham. I think he's killing it on the art. Anyway, so Secret Avengers number 34. Real quickly, as we mentioned earlier, Rick Remender, two thoughts on this. Number one, Mateo Scalera is great. Like, I want to see more from this guy. Like, I really like I've, li- I've started finding his sketches last year and, and yeah. putting them up on SketchUp, and he's, a, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, he's really, really good. Really, really good. And secondly, there was a Smith reference. So I tweeted it out after I read the issue, but there's a, a moment where uh, Hawkeye's yelling at Captain Britain, blaming him for where the, for being stuck where they are, and he says, you know, I hate everything about England. I hate tea, the, the Queen, the Smiths, and Captain Britain goes, let's leave the Smiths out of it. Hat tip to Rick Remender for working the Smiths into Marvel continuity. I'm ready for this storyline to be over. I'm ready for the series to be over. <laughs> but New Avengers 34 is Brian Bendis's third <laughs> third swan song from the Avengers. We had last week's issue, or was it last week? Uh, with yeah, last week. Yeah, last week's was Avengers. Yeah. And the original end of the New Avengers. Gandalf, is it over now? <laughs> I think it's over now, even though there wasn't any writing thing. Although this one had the no, it's over. They showed all the covers at the end. Yeah, they showed all the covers. Yeah, again, my same the same comment I made about the Avengers is that. Kind of out with a whimper. It ended so perfectly before. Yeah, and this is this is the same thing I had with powers. Is they they ended that book at one point perfectly yeah. with with Dina going off into the sunset, and they brought it back, and it just sort of dilutes things. And just- and, and and the thing is, is that don't get me wrong, like the idea of having you know jam issue happen with artists come on board and do stuff, but like this kind of felt kind of half assed for a couple of reasons. One is that I think these are just artists that they like, yeah. like. 
Chuck Beebe and Farrell Dalrymple and Ming Doyle and Becky Cloonan. I mean, they're they're good artists. Don't get me wrong, but they just were doing full pages of Doctor Strange fighting. And like I, I've never liked this this whole Doctor Strange story that's done that's been you know kind of played out over New Avengers. I've never been interested in to begin with, so I'm kind of glad you know it's good that they're ending it. But it's also like, well, this isn't how I wanted to. It's good that they're wrapping up the storyline, but this isn't the ending I wanted. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it was appropriate that they focused on Luke and Jessica because they were the heart of Bendis's story. Sure, yeah. But- but the focus wasn't on them. It was on Doctor Strange. No, I mean the ending ending was basically yeah. all about Luke and Jessica. And that was a nice shot of him remembering scenes. And there was some good elements of it, but it, nothing compares to that final shot of them walking through Central Park in their civilian uniforms, the whole team from that last issue of the first time. Yeah. It was too bad. Yep. I mean, on the whole, Bennis's run was great on Avengers, but yeah. I feel like it should have ended when it ended. Yeah. So... Shoe number 30 reminds us that this was originally conceived as a dark crime thriller. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. I, you know what? I knew that a thing was coming, but I, you don't know what to expect with this book. And they just yank you in the opposite direction. All I know um, is that I turned the page and I yelped like audibly. Yeah. I went, ah! like, I, I, I felt a thing. It yeah, really yeah. Interesting. They, they built up that character uh, over a long period of time. And so when a thing happens that is permanent and it feels like it matters – it's actually very affecting. I was sorry that it had to happen, but I understand why it, it does. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to see what happens next. I thought it was a really great issue. I'd prob- I would probably give this my pick of the week slightly over Uncanny Avengers. But uh, yeah. I wonder if this is a signal of tonal shift in the book or not. Well, well he's got to gotta wrap it up. Yeah, they, they made a big point, the big point in the letters page is to, to say that this is the halfway point. They're ending it at issue 60. So. Well, it's a long way to go. So. Yeah. 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 But I wonder if, if it's going to stay a sort of jokey you know, because it's a really dark issue. Yeah. I, I think that it will, and it will just have dark jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll have both. I, I, like the, I like the freedom that they have. It can kind of be whatever. You know, and the, the art is, is never going to suggest it being that dark. Yeah. You know, and if you looked at, like, the beginning bit, which was all, well, sorry, this never actually happened. Like, it's, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, and it's a, just, it, I, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Is, there, is there a worse thing to wake up to than have your limbs be missing? Oh, God almighty. She got to keep an arm. That's what I was like. Well, she's still got one arm. I guess yeah, that's Until nice. he snapped her neck. Well, right. Then it didn't matter if she had an arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was, oh, that, that, that was, it was disturbing. It was disturbing. In the yeah, right way, but it was disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it worked. it worked. On the complete other side of the spectrum. <laughs> Completely. Would be Superman <laughs> Family Adventures number seven. And I wanted to mention this because in a very prescient bit of, uh, I guess, marketing, if you want to call it, the Superman family fights the toy man who attacks them with a bunch of cute little ponies. Ooh. Is that supposed to be a meta segue or are you, are you done? Well, I just wanted to mention that, again, this is great, but I thought it was funny that considering what we're about to talk about, this, the, the primary villain in this issue was a bunch of cute little pink and green ponies and drawn yeah. very much like the My Little Ponies. I have... A single bit of uh, review to do about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic number one. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was very successful. It, it, I mean, compared Same. to other comics that you like, you really you have no idea. It was written by Katie Cook, and I like her very much. I like her work. It was drawn. It was drawn. It was drawn very well by Andy Price, and I I did read it. And my review is I don't get it. <laughs> That's all that I have to say on it. I'm yeah. not. I'm not judging. There's no judgment. No judgment. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I didn't even bother though. Whatever, it's fine. You're all. Connected. I tried. I was like, maybe there's a thing. I did research. I talked to people. I was like, so what's, what's the deal with all this? And they explained it to me. I was like, oh, so it's like a thing that maybe is more than it. it no, no, I don't get it. Yeah. 
I would have read it in a week where I didn't have 28 books. I, I thought about it. I just have the time. Keep complaining about this 28 books, man. Well, that's because it kept me from reading books like this. I thought about reading My Little Pony, but I didn't have Tell time. you something. A lot of ponies. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. I mean, it's a lot of I mean, a lot of ponies. Was Pony yeah. Boy in it? Oh, stay gold. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so those are the books we enjoyed uh, this week personally, but uh, go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You see all the books that came out this week, and you can go p- do your uh, pull list and come back and rate them and set your picks of, the picks of the week. Connor, why don't you give us the top five picks of the week for this week? As voted by the iFan base, number five, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number one, with 8.7% of the picks. Dubious. I don't, I don't get it. Dubious. Uh, number four. And if you- by the way, wait, 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 we were kind of glossing over this, by the way. It's our site. As far as I'm concerned, Paul is on thin ice. <laughs> Why? That was a great review. Uh, yeah, it was a great, was review, a great review, but he changed his avatar on Twitter. He got all like it's it's questionable. It's que- I'm, I, think, I'm, I think he's specifically fucking with you. No, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, no, I mean, not like. Well, did you notice I've been, sil- I've been silent on it? <laughs> no, you didn't. You made one comment. I made one comment. Said, yeah. Not all of us. <laughs> I feel like because they were like, now they were like, they were like, Josh's turn. I was like, no, no, I just, I just pointed it out because yeah. yeah, I know that people would appreciate that. You're not and a I'm fan. being, I'm being open minded. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, He's and I'm saying, even bother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You in fact hate ponies in which they would all die. I don't. They're not real. They cannot die. No, no. ponies and real life ponies. I love ponies, especially. I, little. I gotta give it up. I gotta give it up. I, I I feel like not enough credit is given to toy manufacturers of the '80s, because Are similar, you kidding me? They're gonna run out eventually. Similarly to He-Man, which was the same mold of an action figure just painted differently. All My Little Pony was was the same mold of a fucking horse painted differently. Like I like when I look back on I, it, I, we I fell just, for so much stuff. <laughs> I just I really need to point out now that when you send in emails about how he's wrong about that in some way, <laughs> that they should be to Ron. That's not true though. I'm not wrong. I'm I'm listen, you're gonna get emails. I'm not wrong gonna, though. Did, did you have any My Little Ponies back in the day or I assume that there were some <laughs> variations eventually, and I bet the ones that they make now are slightly different. But I bet they're like – ones now are completely – I'm just talking about the 80s. In the 80s, I, it was a mold of a, of a fucking I, horse. I and know they, what you're saying, but I'm not wading into that minefield. Yeah, all right. I'm saying. And you can go in there alone, and I'm not sticking – I'm not point front towards enemy. I'm, I'm in not, the right on this. I'm so in the right on this. Connor, back me up. <laughs> the, the lieutenant Connor. just told Josh to follow Private Ron into the minefield, and Josh went, oh, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, I'll take whatever uh, uh, administrative punishment you yeah. have. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be KP for the rest of the month. I'm just so. saying, Dude, I, I'm giving them credit. They made a lot of money. So. And then, and then Josh is like, "Wait, well, isn't Private Richards in acquisitions? Why is he out in the field?" All right, yeah. that's an old, old. <laughs> I totally budget. have that job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving uh, on. So number five again, My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. Number one with eight point seven percent. Number four was Thor: God of Thunder. Number two with twelve point one percent, and just eking out past Thor. Number three. All new X Men number two with twelve point four percent. In fact, when I started doing the script, they were flopped in position. They there was a neck and neck race. It might be uh, different later. Number two, Batman Incorporated number five with seventeen point six percent. And number one was two number thirty with twenty nine point four percent. And this is all at the time of recording. And if you're curious, before Watchmen Silk Spectre number four was ranked twelfth with zero point six percent of the picks of the week. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. NBC Abanis said of masks number one in our review from the user segment. That the story is a four out of five, and the art's a five out of five, and it gets uh, it's a pick of the week is in six six percent, so it's in sixth place. And it said, uh, "Good God, but this book is beautiful." 
I know Alex Ross has his detractors, but you cannot deny that the man is good at what he does. Ever since I first laid eyes on Kingdom Come and Marvels, I knew I'd be a fan for life. It's been quite some time since Ross has provided the full interiors on a book, but here in Mask Number 1, he returns to the sequential storytelling with a bang. One of the chief complaints about Ross and, and painterly comic artists in general is that his style makes his images sort of static and moving. Not so here, as several of the action scenes almost leap off the page. Ross also goes a bit crazy with his layouts, and while some of, the, some of it doesn't flow quite as smoothly as the artist may be intended, I still admire the sheer craft and imagination. Now, this was another book I'm going to mention, my 28 books. I didn't get to pick because I had so many other ones. This is the Dynamite's mashup of pulp characters with Zorro and Green Hornet and the Shadow and, and the Spider all teaming up. Who wrote this? Roberson. That's what I thought, yeah. And it's getting a lot of good notice on, online. You'll see guys like Gabriel Hardman talking about it on Twitter, saying they enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't be curious about it. I don't, I don't think Ross is doing the whole thing art-wise. I think it's different artists with every issue, but... Uh, well, that would be. But uh, it's curious. I, mean, I am curious enough to want to check it out, maybe. Maybe being the other Yeah, board. I saw the thing about it. It didn't really interest me, so I, I didn't check it out. But uh, it, I think if that sounds like the thing you want, then that's, that's, that's the place you're going to get it. That's what it is. Well, <laughs> it's, it's great if you like this sort of thing. Well, they, I, lots of people do like that. I know, yeah, no, they, exactly. They yeah. Don't, and they don't get a lot of it. So yeah. yep. the premise of all those characters coming together, I saw and was like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. But Josh, this should be the show I, where you review everything that way. If you yeah. like this kind of thing, it's for you. I don't care for I, it. I find that that's true. Yeah. Although it's un, but when something comes up that I do like that is bad, then I will say that that is bad. Yeah. Right. That's, my, that's my promise to you, the American people. Our next review comes from Casey Justice, who reviewed Aquaman number 14, gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5, and 0.1% of you made it your pick of the week. That's 20th in the rankings. And Casey Justice gets a little clever with the review. It says, Arthur's 14 issues in. He controls anything with a fin. He talks a big game, but he's still kind of lame, yet I'm rooting for him to win. Nice. So, a little poetry. Not quite a haiku, but a little poetry there from Casey Justice. It's a, it's a um, limerick. It's, it's a limerick, yeah. All right, yeah. Um, which makes sense. One, I'm Irish. I know this kind of thing. Yeah, there, there once there was, there once was a fish man from Maine. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and, he, and he worked with this guy who was lame. <laughs> he da 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 da. He, he made the bronies mad, <laughs> and Josh got out of there fucking fast. <laughs> the aristocrats. <laughs> Um, God, we're so good. There's got to be an Eisner for us in the future. <laughs> that, well, that kind of material? Yeah. Well, are we a website or a blog? Aquaman. Anyway, <laughs> but so, um, uh, yeah, no, I'm still reading Aquaman. I don't know why, but now it's the big, it's, it's the big thing in Justice League, and I don't know. I feel like I feel like they, I feel like they assume um, Aquaman is more popular than it actually is, no, but no, it's no, selling no, well, no, so maybe it is more popular. Maybe it's, it's, it's exactly as, as popular as it's selling. Yeah. It's it's the throne of throne of Atlantis prequel with Pete Woods on art. It was fine. You know, it was yeah. it was actually as a pre, as a prelude. It actually did give you information. That, that yeah, no, it did. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, it, it gave. I, well, instance, my fanboy well, says no, it instance, did give you information. You have preludes <laughs> like the one in Batgirl for the for the fam, death of the family issue didn't no, have know. anything to do with it. Whereas this was actually a, a true prelude wanna, to the story. I want to see that in a press release so bad. Press yeah. release, perhaps. <laughs> Connor for my fanboy. It did actually give you information. That was the Books of the Week. Uh, you can go to ifmy.com slash comics to make your pull list. You can rate and review books. You can write a review. If it's good, we'll get it on the show. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to the email. we got a bunch of emails, so we're going to have some fun with it. Our first email comes from Jordan from Kansas City. It says, do you guys hear specific voices for characters when you read? For instance, do you hear Sting when you read Hellblazer? The, the wrestler? 
No, Sting the singer. Oh, Sting from Police? Oh, okay. Or Keanu Reeves when you read Hellblazer? Just wondering. Sting was the model for Hellblazer originally. Oh, yeah. interesting. So that's, that's, that's who he looks like in his first appearance in Swamp Thing. That's who Alan Moore wanted him to look Do you know Sting's voice well enough, Josh, to read it in his voice? No. Okay. No, I don't. But uh, I know you do. I, I know you're, you're talking to me, really, when yeah. you're writing this. But you know what's funny is that I don't. I, I, hear, I will say voices out loud all the time, but when I read books, I tend to not really do that. But Hellblaze is actually the one book where I've tried to figure out what it is, and it's not either of those people. I actually hear him like, if I had to pick it, I hear him like Jason Statham, but with a different accent. Because he's, uh, he's from Liverpool, so he's got, a diff- he's got a Scouser accent, so it's different. But like the only guy, like the British guy who has the scratchiest, roughest voice, because this dude has smoked a lot of cigarettes uh, and drank a lot of liquor, is something like Statham. I'm sure there's somebody rougher than that. But uh, Emails that, that, to that Josh at iFlamboy.com. That's fine. That's not... I think a lot of people will mention they, they hear like Kevin Conroy when they read Batman. I don't, I'm like Josh. I don't really hear any particular other interpretation of the character when I read that. I just yeah. hear the voices. I've, they've been in my head since I've been reading comics and I was you know, five years old. It's, just, it, it would, it's interesting because literally Constantine is the only one I've ever tried to figure out. It's the only one I've ever really thought about. Other than that, I don't ever I don't yeah, hear no, I don't, I don't give. I don't give voices. Uh, I mean I try to read them all in Todd McFarlane's voice. <laughs> Because I find that's more interesting. Uh, I do them all in Mark Wahlberg. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Gonna fight your demons, okay? <laughs> but uh, you have the biggest claws out there. You're gonna see. <laughs> Ron, do you yeah. hear Wolverine as the as the Australian Wolverine from Rise of the X Men? <laughs> no, from the uh, the Pride of the X Men. Pride of the X Men. Right, yeah, Pride yeah. of the X Men. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. What? Well, well, that was an odd decision. That was a decision made by someone who didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that Stan Lee was on a meeting about. Yeah, yeah. Let's th- except Stan Lee was the narrator. <laughs> Although to be to be fair, he probably didn't know very much about the character. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, true. At the time. Oh, don't get on an anti-Stan Lee rant, Josh. I I'm not. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I don't I don't put vo- character voices in, and even even like with the movies and stuff like that. Like I don't read Batman, no. like Christian Bale, and all that sort of shit. You, you know, definitely don't unless you want to do it funny. Yeah, yeah. reading all comics like Bane is funny though. That's that's true. We should yeah, do similar that. to the Todd McFarlane thing. Here's so. the thing: I didn't like Dark Knight Rises, but I really want to see the Bane stuff again. <laughs> like the, like the, the Blu-rays coming out, and I was like, hmm. well, because I want to know if it's as, as ridiculous as we've made it out to be. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more so. Like yeah. it's not diegetic at all. It just is this voice. Yep. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> walking around with his thumbs and his vest. <laughs> the whole thumbs and the vest thing. It, just, it, it ruined Halloween as far as I'm concerned. But. Mike from Detroit, <laughs> before we get off on a, on a Bane Smart. tangent. Mike from Detroit writes and says, I've been getting into comics and I've noticed that there seems to be sometimes no rhyme or reason to which the trade paperbacks go in and out of print. I get, of course, that it's primarily financially motivated. Stuff that doesn't sell goes out of print. Sometimes rights expire. A new movie about a character means more material, etc. But why are the authority trades out of print? Why can I get volumes one and two of Frank Miller's Daredevil trades, but not volume three? Are absolute editions generally limited? John Ostrander's run of the Spectre only has one out-of-trade print. Some hard covers of Gotham Central are in print. Some aren't. It doesn't seem like volume three wouldn't sell, but one and two and four would. Is there any rhyme or reason any of this stuff, or is it all behind-the-scenes stuff at Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, etc., which we aren't meant to know? You're not meant to know any of it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Well, no. I, I mean, I think I, it's. I think it's way more complicated than a lot of people think. It involves a lot of spreadsheets. A lot of spreadsheets. A lot of forecasting. A lot of financials. No, but specifically cash flow. Cash flow. No, but specifically also, I think there's a couple of different things. I mean, they they try to anticipate how many people. They, not, they don't try to anticipate how many people will buy the books. They try to anticipate how many books will be ordered by stores. 
and they and they use that to define their print run. Some sell better than others or whatnot, and then based on how quickly they sell out, they from what I understand, they decide then if they should print more or not. And it costs them money to print it, so you know it's it's a thing. But then also. There are some scenarios of due to agreements and things like that. They some books don't go in print because of shit that we don't know about. Maybe somebody has a really good royalty deal and DC doesn't want to pay them that, so they just don't print the book. Right. Like, believe it or not, that happens. You know, or there could be some sort of licensing issue or character issue or something like that. That there's some aspect of the story that you're interested in uses some character that they lost the rights to or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so it's all very, very complicated. That's the most business side of it, which yeah, really just puts you to sleep. Yeah, and the absolute editions are generally limited. They they like uh, for some reason. Yeah, they cost a lot. Yeah, yeah but they must, so they're I mean, taking they, a big they, risk when they put them up. They, but. they must make a lot. Of, I mean, those. Um, if they yeah, if they sell, but I'm sure that there's ones that haven't. So they, they I'm just saying they choose them carefully. They can't absolute everything. And the, yeah, no, I, no, I mean limited in terms of printing. Like they don't, they, most of them yeah. don't get second printing. So they get, just get a first yeah. printing. That's uh, the part of their charm, part of their marketing. Yep. So that it's uh, very complicated. There's no easy answers. It involves Excel. It's fairly clear that this the solution is to just go torrent all that stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way to go. It's the best way to do. Yeah, really the fight back. That shows them that you mean business. Yeah, no, but it's frustrating. But the thing is, is that you've got things like the Amazon Marketplace where you can buy stuff that's out of print. You know, people are reselling stuff, and you know, and hopefully it's not of the ilk of the alias omnibus where it's like three hundred dollars. You know do, what I mean? You know. Do you know how much I could sell those Uncanny X Force hardcovers that you got me? How much? They were up to like, like I think the third one was up to like seventy or eighty bucks a copy. Holy shit! Oh yeah, that was the whole secondary market thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, hey man, go for it. If Every you know, once in a while, I look at the Amazon Marketplace and look at the, my alias hardcover, and I go, I do like the story. Yeah, I, I have like, the trades. The like story reads just bucks. fine. You know, here's the problem with that because I was actually literally talking about this last night because I don't have the time or yeah, the the, the, the energy. Like, so I'm like, well, I could get an intern and I can get someone, or I can get someone like someone, you know, and I could say, hey, listen, for you know, for a cut of the profit, you know, handle all this for me and and just you know whatever, you know. But even then, that takes work. And I, I tried wanna... that with my sister. Well, she's your sister. I and I said, that. I yeah. said, you sell all the books that are in the storage room right now, and you can take, you know, this percentage of the sales, and yeah. just nothing. They've got to be a really motivated person. But so then I was like, well, there's got to be a better way around this. So I looked into Amazon to see if you could like return a book or sell back or whatever. And Amazon does have a book buyback program. And there's so a for, traded program, but and it's so, really it, low. Well, no, not the trade-in program. It's the trade-in program. Is there a trade-in program on DVDs, not on books though? It's, it's books, DVDs, oh. and video games. Okay, I got to look into that. But I was looking into the buyback program, and it's mainly focused at textbooks, but it's pretty much anything. Well, first yeah. off, I looked into returns, and you can't do that. I got it as a gift. You can't do that. So I looked they into do, that. They have records of all that. Yeah, stuff. exactly. They want the order number and all that shit. So that's that's yeah. the answer. Yeah. Or is it? Meanwhile, you can write us a contact at ifanboy.com for, uh, you know, anything you want to talk about on the show, we'll, we'll talk about it here. Make it good. Make it fun. And let's move on to the voicemails. All right. Our first voicemail's got a, got a demands a clarification or a correction. In the latest uh, Pick of the Week podcast, you said that Jason Aaron hasn't dropped the ball at all, not once. But I would submit to you the Incredible Hulk not the worst thing anyone's ever done. It was definitely a fumble. Who will speak to these charges? I'll step up to them because I think I'm the one who said he's never dropped the ball once. I think I'm the one who said it. Oh, did you say that? Oh, okay. Well, we're prone to hyperbole, so that's one thing to consider. No, but also I think that's a fair and valid point 
to say that the Jason Aaron's short run on Incredible Hulk was a fumble, but I wow. would not give the blame to Jason Aaron. I would give the blame to Marvel and you know the creative balancing of giving him a, a steady artist. There was Mark Silvestri got sick early on, and there was all those replacement artists, and the promise of a Silvestri arc never really happened. And then they did a rotating cast of artists. I don't think Marvel gave Jason Aaron the best ammunition to put out the best product. I don't know. I mean, you, you'll be hard pressed to find a bigger Jason Aaron fan than I, than I. I read read everything he puts out, but I didn't think Thor was that well well done story wise. I thought it was wasn't that compelling. Yeah, It'd be the only thing I'd point. So you, to. you read everything, or uh, recently, basically in the last couple of years, almost pretty much. Oh, did you read the entire Hulk run? I, I dropped out in the middle of that. Well, that's what. That's yeah. So 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 to clarify that, um, I did not. I dropped as well. Like I I didn't read the last arc, but I heard from friends that it was actually pretty good. No, I read the first two issues of the arc, and I dropped it. Right. No, and I heard that that by the end of it, it was pretty good. Well, I, uh, you, you said you said you well, no wait no, you, you meant said, Hulk you said, you said, said Hulk, Thor right Hulk no is, Connor you said Thor though oh, you sorry, didn't mean I, Thor I meant Hulk okay because that was very confusing right, no I um, said Hulk is all right yeah, yeah Hulk is all right no I said I said I said Hulk was all right <laughs> you, you said Connor Hulk was okay <laughs> no Hulk let's, <laughs> go stutter, next, let's just go to the next stutter, fucking voicemail yeah fucking stutter and fuck you our next our next Oh, Shane, our you next can, you, can, you, can, you can really channel Joe Pesci. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. <laughs> Dance, you fucking prick you. Which is terrifying a little bit. Everything is, is everything yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> it's gonna look kind of funny on my table. <laughs> Trick man and chef. It's look look funny on my table. All right, I'm trying to bang this broad from the five towns. You can't help me, Henry. Henry. All right, let's do the next voicemail. She's, she's prejudiced against Italians. Can you believe that? In this day and age, she's prejudiced against Italians. <laughs> oh, 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 I have a cracked rib. Our next voicemail's got a question about the big blue. Hi, uh, my name is Christian. I'm from Georgia. And um, I was looking at some stuff, and um, I was just looking at it, and I see that Superman isn't that invincible anymore because, like, in the Dark Knight Returns, he kind of got beat up by Batman by just in the suit. So just wanted you to talk about that and how he's not that invincible anymore. And he's sort of powered down real low. So just wanted you to talk about that and bye. Well, there, there's been a concerted effort since the 80s to, to depower Superman. I'm reading right now a book called Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, which was a... A uh, novel written by Elliot S. Magan in 1978 to coincide with the movies, and I I got it because Scott Snyder and Mark Waid were talking about it on Twitter for about a week, and I I just couldn't take it anymore, so I got I bought the book on Amazon, bringing that all back together in one in one big circle. Uh, on a side note, how much would you want to hang out with Elliot Magan? He's he sounds awesome. I feel like he's right up your your alley, right? Like you specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, go so on. So it's, it's him and him and the other guy. Who's the other guy that Suntress talks to? Marty Pascal. Pascal. All right. So. Yeah. So this book was written, uh, it's got Christopher Reeve on the cover, and it's got a, a photo gallery from the movie in the middle, so I figured it was a story taking place in the movie world. It's actually not. It's taking place firmly in the 70s DC continuity, including the Green Lantern Corps and the Guardians and all this stuff. But what it does is it features the super-powered 70s Superman who could basically do anything, including throw his voice miles away and... And basically, whatever crazy power they wanted to give him in the 70s, he could do. And it really is a study in contrast in the way he is now, in which he's got lots of vulnerabilities because the modern audience uh, thinks he's unrelatable when he's super powerful. And I even think some of the powers in the 70s were pretty ridiculous. 
And I thought the way that they handled it in the 80s when John Byrne toned him down, which, which carried over into the uh, Dark Knight story. It, it may not be directly, but they also toned him down a little bit. He was hurt and old also in that story. But they made an effort to make him not the most powerful being in, in the world or the universe, really, because people don't want to read those stories anymore. So, yes, yeah. Chris, there's definitely been an effort to depower Superman to make him more... He's uh, not wrong. Really. He's not wrong in his assessment. Then. No, he's yeah. he's vulnerable to magic, which you've seen in Justice League recently. He got bit by uh, Cheetah, who was magic magic based, and he's he's not as strong as he was was. And I, actually, we, we like that part in the beginning of the, of the action run where he couldn't really fly and all that stuff. And it's interesting, you know. There's there's two extremes, you know. You know, you don't want him too weak, but you also don't want him to be able to throw his voice a mile away and crush a planet in his hands and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Although it's fun to read those stories occasionally. Yeah. So that's there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Superman just. I mean, I, I'm often on the record about how Superman doesn't really interest me, and there's something about him, and, all, and I think it ties into that. I, you know, that he can do anything, and you know. Let's look and, at the Flash. No, but the, the Flash. No, Flash can get shot. If his powers were rea- real, he would never be able to get shot. You know, no, like, he, yeah. you can catch the Flash off guard. He, you can. He's only got two eyes. You can get shoot him behind him, and he'll he'll still get shot. But the thing is, if he hears the the report of the gun. He's got hours to get out of the way, according to his. I think the Flash could get shot. The the, the, the point has always been, and they did this in Kingdom Come, is that if he took his powers to his logical extension, he would never, he would be unstoppable. Yes, and, he, and he'd be everywhere. Same thing with Iceman. He'd be everywhere. No, but he'd be everywhere at once. You could never touch him. You could never lay a glove on him. You could never shoot him. Right, but but that but there's a gap between the the Flash at his full extent of his powers and Barry Allen, the guy trying to figure out how to use his powers. There's but a gap. It, what we're talking about is logical extension. Sure. Yeah. If you if you follow that out, then none of his reaction, nothing that would happen in our physical world using our physics would happen with any of the speed that would render him unable to deal with it. Yeah. Because his reflexes and his understanding of what's going on is so much faster than everything else is happening. Yeah, his, he thinks faster and all. Of a it's just it's the same problem with Superman. So that's why they have both been depowered. Yeah. Or because we just agree. We're like it's fine. Yeah. He can. Yeah, he knocked him over. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you've got any questions for us, uh, you can email us at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. I Fanboy Don't Miss is another podcast that we do that comes out every Monday. You can subscribe to it on iTunes or you can go listen to it on iFanboy.com on Mondays. This coming Monday, Paul's going to be talking to writer Justin Jordan about the new Luther Strode series, which is launching at Image Comics uh, this week. Luther Strode was a great indie comic, another take a kick-assian-esque teenager gets superpowers, but very unique, very clever. And there's a uh, new series coming out. So uh, go to iFanboy.com on Monday to hear Paul Paul's conversation with the writer. Usually on Wednesdays, there's a Make Comics podcast. We're all set for the rest of this month, I can assure you, where I talk with Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, former senior editor of Marvel and IDW Comics. And we will take some aspect of making comics. And I I know the ones that are coming up in the next month are uh, are some really interesting shows because it's it's getting – we've talked about a lot. So now we have to think of things and and the letters really help. So there's some definitely really good stuff coming up. When are you going to deal with payola? Payola. Oh, that's episode 52. Oh. Is there payola? Where? Why aren't we getting our? You, you our, haven't our been nut? getting your check. Uh, I've been getting my check. Uh, <laughs> Kirk, Kirkman still sends you yours <laughs> from the old Invincible deal. We really lucked out on that one. Yeah, we did. It's December when you're listening to this show, uh, so that means that it's the holiday time. We wanted to give you a heads up on the holiday schedule in case you're new to the show or, or, or forgotten, perhaps if you're a longtime listener. So when Christmas time comes around, we always take a week off from the Pick of the Week show. This year is fortuitous because they're not shipping books to comic stores the week of Christmas because Christmas falls on a Tuesday when they normally would ship the books. So 
on the weekend of the 29th and 30th, the 30th being when the show would come out, there will be no Pick the League podcast. Instead, you will find the annual iFanboy year-end all-media wrap-up show in which we talk about movies and TV shows and music and video games and probably not video games. And also I played a, a game. Little bit game. A little bit of comics. So you can look forward to that. You can look forward to the week off uh, from the Pick of the Week show towards the end of the month. Well, all right then. Excellent. And you can find all of that at ifanboy.com, which is our home on the our little corner of the internet. You can find uh, Josh's Pick of the Week review of uh, – Connor's Pick of the Week review of uh, yeah. Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre. You can find my review of the Book of the Month, A Wrinkle of Time, although a new one is coming. And you can find all the other great articles and, and writings and posts and stuff like that that happen throughout the week. Go to twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy so you don't miss a thing on your preferred social network. And you know, just have, have fun with it. Have fun with it. If you yeah. want to write to us, yeah. you can send an email to contact at ifanboy.com. Or you, or you can leave an email, a voicemail at, at AA Fanboys, which is 326-2697. And it could be the, the greatest voicemail that was ever sent. <laughs> I uh, wish you could have seen my face when you mentioned the book of the month. <laughs> because it was quite comical. Um, that's coming, sure, eventually. Uh, meanwhile, if you like the show, you can write a review on iTunes uh, for this show, for the Don't Miss show, for the Make Comics show, for any podcast you listen to, just not around comics, just mostly because they don't exist anymore. But just yeah. make sure you don't even do it. Don't even think about it. The best thing to do to support your local podcast is to write a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show. And uh, it doesn't take, too, doesn't take any dollars out of your pocket. It doesn't take any time out of your day. So Put uh, it on your Facebook page. All right, <laughs> put a little Whatever post. it is, put it on your Facebook page, huh? Yeah. Come on, huh? Huh? So. Spider, you said I'm a right spider. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not a right spider. <laughs> what am I, a schmuck on wheels? Oh, God. All right. All right. Uh, that's what I did over Thanksgiving. So until next week, I am Ron. I'm Connor. And I am Josh. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and we're sorry. Shane? <laughs> I love that joke. The party's on.